Welcome to this episode of Clarity Generates Confidence. We're here in season five, and I'm delighted to have with me Margot McClymans from founder and coach, Coaching Without Borders. I met Margot almost, well, not quite a year ago, actually, when she came into a workshop in Toronto, and lovely person, and really appreciated the opportunity to connect together. So with that, Margot, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I don't I don't mind admitting this. This is the second kick at the can. And really, I lost the first one, so I can have a chance to talk to you a second time. You know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> it was all constructive in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just that sort of mind. How, how do I do this? How do I get that connection again? Anyway, but delighted, delighted we could do this because I really love your vision statement. And maybe if you wouldn't mind, I, I would start off and tell people what, what your vision statement is. I'd like to start there because I think that's where everything really begins particularly for entrepreneurs, but anybody who's got where they want to go somewhere in their life has to start with a vision. So Margo, would you just say what yours is, please? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's funny that you bring this up because we just yesterday had an offsite, a strategy meeting with our team, and we decided to modify the language ever so slightly. No problem. And so it's the idea is that we, and, I, and I, my team is going to check if I get it right or not, helping a million people, no, helping improve a million lives by helping 100,000 people become better leaders. Cool. I like that. I like yeah. that. And and the, the tweak the tweak from that was it's talking about leaders becoming better bosses. And I really like you took that piece out of it because I, I it didn't match matter to me, but I can see the difference between that helping people because a leader doesn't necessarily have to be considered a boss in that perspective. Correct. Correct. Cool. And, and so many people are leaders in their lives without being bosses, right? And leaders of themselves and all of that. Well, I think everybody is, is a leader and, and everybody is a leader in their own right. And I think the problem that I think we have is we don't allow people to demonstrate their leadership capability in the areas where they have strengths. You know, you and I are both involved in strategic coach and we believe in unique ability. Well, if you've got a unique ability, clearly that's where you're at your best. You are going to be able to lead people in that area. You don't have to be a boss of them to do that. Right, absolutely. Lead leadership is an action more than a person, right? More than a, you don't have to be a hero with a cape or wait till somebody gives you the role and the name card that says you're a leader. You can take action right now, leadership action. Well, and I also believe that leadership is authentic. And so if you are who you are, and you know, we can read that and I'd certainly read that in you, then that becomes a really, really strong leadership quality, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's, it's connected to the fact that being authentic is actually kind of scary, right? Because when we're authentic, when we're really ourselves, you know, people always have opinions and judgments on our behavior. So if we're playing a role and we're acting like a leader or we're acting in a way that we believe we should act to be a leader, it's a little bit safer than if we just act how we are, because those opinions and those criticisms and judgments will be about us and our, our behavior, our real behavior, and not the one that we're putting on. So that's, I think, why it's so scary to really genuinely be an authentic leader, to be authentic while taking leadership. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with that. I'm going to give you a, a thought that, that I have come to, at least for myself, is that I, I say there's a difference between performing and acting. And I'm a performer. When I get up in front of the room or anything else, I'm a performer, but I don't act because I don't play anybody else. 
I don't mm. play, have another role. So acting, and we think of that from the you know the Hollywood or the movie side of things, that you can take a character, a person, and they can be different characters because they play a role. And I yep. call that acting. Acting and performing is also there, but there's you can sep- to me you separate those two pieces. So if people are, and we have to be, if we know who we are, we know what we do best, and then we can perform best. I think that really allows us to be authentic as a leader. But we have to yep. perform. We have to perform, but we but like we don't have to. We, yeah, yeah, but we don't have to act necessarily to be who we aren't, which is exactly what you talked about. Yeah, like a musician, they don't have to play a role. They just perform and they do their best and hopefully it's appreciated. And on the other hand, I'm going to look at the other side of the coin and talk a little bit, if I may, about this thing about playing a role. I had when I I, I said, if I may, and then I didn't stop and ask if I may. You may. So it's a bit of a tangent, but when I went on a leadership program as a participant about 13 years ago, it was a very, it was a one year long program four very intense on-site weeks and a lot of self-reflection. One of my goals was, who am I really? I wanted to understand myself because I felt like I am playing roles. I don't know how, you know, who am I really? I had gotten feedback that I was inauthentic, like people weren't sure if I was really being authentic. People gave me the typical American stereotype, ah, fake American, she's a fake American, right? I don't know if you guys get that in Canada as well. And it was really kind of painful. And I really wanted to say, well, maybe I, yeah, gosh, maybe I'm not authentic. Is this me or not? And it was a bit of a a thing. And what it turned out, I didn't learn who I was on that program. I didn't find the answer I was looking for. But what I realized was, Sometimes playing a role, you know, the way I play all of those roles, when I'm a when I'm a mother, when I'm a leading a group, when I'm this, when I'm that, maybe that's all different facets of me anyway. Right. So it's I, I'm now kind of playing devil's advocate here to say that even when we play a role, the way we play it is our way. Right? Yes. So yes. And and you know, I'll give you, by the way, Margot's in Switzerland, American and, and living in Switzerland. So that's why she talked about being that the inauthentic American, something like that. But I want to say, going back to 2005, I was on the phone with another person who I've known from Strategic Coach at Laurel Carr. And she said to me, which persona am Gary am I talking to today? And she was trying Mm -hmm. to be funny. So because I have a coaching business and I was doing more coaching outside of Strategic Coach at the time, I have an industrial rubber product supply business, GCP Industrial Products. Now, I cannot be... I'm not seen as the coach to all the people in my business side. And the people who see me say, how can you be this technical? I'm a chemical engineer and all other friggin' stuff. But, you know, how, how can you, you, you it, it doesn't match. And so she was being funny. She was being humorous because I know her well. And, but I stopped and I, I took it seriously because I said, is that the way I really am? Am I these two people? And just like you, I had to come and figure out who is Gary. And I said, Gary's a coach. That's what Gary is. Gary's a coach. Okay. Well, what does that mean now? Yeah. Interesting. Talking about about roles. What was the role? Well, in sports, where is the coach? Sidelines. Sidelines. So he's not the star player. He, she's not the star player. He's on the sidelines and decides other things about if it's strategy and direction and people and look where people fit who's on the bus, so to speak, in the right seats, right bus. And I, so I changed it. 
And I, at that point, changed and said, okay, those things that I'm doing that aren't coach-related have to come off my plate. Nice. And I went through that, and I've gone through that whole process, which one thing it's done, and I can feel this about you as well, even though we've been, been doing this Zoom and I've met you in person, is that there's a calmness, a confident calmness that comes as a result of saying, I know who I am and I know what I'm going to do, and I know where I bring my best. And I recognize I can't help it. <laughs> I'm sitting at lunch yesterday with a woman who's doing our marketing work, Mary Furon from On Purpose, also a great lady from Coach as well. And I said, as it ends lunch, I said, I didn't, I didn't mean this to be a coaching session, Mary. And she said, no, no, I'm okay with that. And I said, all right. You know, I it's just, yeah. it's, it's just, it's just, you know, I see something and I, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't tell people what to do. I just give suggestions and from my perspective. But I realized at that point in time in 2005 that I was being seen differently and I didn't like it. Just as you said, you didn't find your role on that, your spot on that. And yeah. you want to know something? The best years of my life have been since then. Great. That's fantastic. Most, most, most growth, even in the business side, when I backed away from it, gave up the customer. And so, but I still keep the people. Wonderful. And looking after the team meetings, you saw the picture they're looking at. So I still keep that with Christine. We do that. We do the team because that's what I do. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's your, it's your purpose, right? Your yeah, life it's my purpose. purpose. Yeah. My purpose is helping people, yeah, helping people and organizations grow. That's my purpose. And so, but I didn't, I didn't come to it until, you know, within the last 10 years. So yeah, it was always there, but it's, so I, I appreciate that you're working on that to help people find that. So good. Margot, how did you end up becoming American landing in Switzerland and being an expat working here. How did how did that? I know we, you've probably told me the story, and I apologize, I've forgotten. But how did how did that happen? Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a circuitous path, and I always have to choose which version, like which length version <laughs> to tell. So I'm gonna I'm gonna aim for a short-ish version. The my parents moved abroad with us when I was about 15. So I grew up very kind of standard, great childhood in Columbus, Ohio. So Midwest, Midwestern girl. And at a certain point, my parents said, you know what, we, we want to see the world. We want our kids to see the world. And my father took a job with a company that has projects all over the world. And so the first place we went was Saudi Arabia. Wow. And then we went to England and they eventually went to Thailand and England, sorry, and India and Afghanistan. They, they went all over and we were wow. with them for a lot of those wow. you know, places. Yeah. So it also meant that I went to five different high schools <laughs> and I ended up going to boarding school in Switzerland when my parents were in countries where there was no local high school. Which, which school did they go to? Did you go to? It's called Tassis. Because my two of my sisters went to was it Lausanne Junior College? Yeah, I don't think it's no longer there oh, for for their last year of high school. So yeah. Oh, wonderful! No, Tess is a fantastic school, and it's keeps getting better and better. You know, I go down for the reunions, and it's just unbelievably beautiful, and they keep getting even more fancy and well equipped every year. So so yeah, so the exposure to the international world from a young age, and after university, I went back to the U.S. and got a job and realized, I don't think I want to stay here anymore. I think I really miss Europe and want to go back. So I decided to get, anyway, I knew I wanted to have my own business. And I thought, hey, having an MBA will help me with that. I should learn something about business if I want to have my own business. So I went back, I found an MBA program in Italy. 
called Chimba. And that MBA program was fantastic because unlike a lot of MBA programs, it really grooms you to be an entrepreneur, to have your own business, right? It's not about becoming a consultant or becoming a top executive. It's about having your own business, basically. And although I'm sure it would prepare you well for those other roles as well. So it was in Italy. It was a bridge back to Europe. And I can highly recommend that to people who want to go abroad, but they don't have a job offer abroad. And they're saying, how the heck can I go into a new country? Go to school there because the school you're allowed to go to school as long as you can, you know, finance it. And I had to get financial aid, but still the school helps you get a visa and they help you find an apartment and they help you integrate. So it was a great way for me to come back to Europe. So I moved to Italy finished the MBA, got a job at a local Italian software company. That's a whole other story. That's for the long version of the story. And a few years after that, after I graduated with the MBA, by the way, I decided to stay in that same little town. The director of the MBA program approached me and he said, hey, you know what? I'm starting a leadership program for, for the students, for the MBAs, and I, I want to have certified coaches, and I think you would be a great coach. This is the year 2005. Wow. Awesome. So I was like, I was kind of, uh, my answer was, what's a coach? <laughs> because, I mean, it wasn't like it is nowadays where you have a coach on every corner. And, <laughs> Sorry, I had to laugh on that one. It's right? so it, it's so true. I became a coach in 96 and Dan Sullivan asked me if I wanted to be a coach. And I go, okay, sure. What's that? <laughs> yeah, what is it? Yeah, exactly. So so I'm still ever eternally grateful for Al Ringleb who who saw that in me. And, and uh, you know, he really helped me find that indeed that's a great combination of passion and, and, and skill. So that's when I started the coaching business in 2005. And I moved to Switzerland in 2010, mainly because my, I had some clients and some friends here. I finished a long relationship with an Italian in Italy, and I found myself newly single in this little tiny village in Italy. And I'm like, okay, I need a, I need a new start. And so Zurich was like, for many reasons, calling me and it was a perfect match. I came here for a three week German course. And by the end, on the last day of the three weeks, I had signed a lease for an apartment and decided to move. Awesome. Yeah, no, I I, I really like Zurich and, and I haven't been back very often, but it's, you know, there's Geneva and Zurich and I just was always more attracted to Zurich than I was to Geneva. So with all that, maybe it's because it's the German part instead of the French part. So I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so- I'll say Swiss. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going there because there's, there's some neutrality that we think about the Swiss, but it isn't always from, from what's going on internally. Anyway, so Margot, I, what I would I did want to get onto today because we we talked a little bit about this before and and before we got on today, you've had a book, and uh, is it is it the Four Channels: A Businesswoman's Guide to Cracking Confidence? That was the first book you put out, yep. and and when did that come out? Oh, 2014, I believe. Okay, and. But now you've got an updated version coming, right? Which may or may not have the same title, by the way. Like uh, in the 11th hour, I'm suddenly getting feedback that the title might not be ideal. So anyway. You know what? I I, I can see the value of having a, a, a separate title. And the thing is, because now you can focus this directly on that. And, I, and it comes from the fact that I was saying I also have one coming out in late 2023 and I've got the title, but they, what the subtitle and everything else is there. And they've really been pushing me to think about what the benefits are. So again, don't, don't feel totally constrained by that. Take, take the feedback and remember it's a bit, it's a bit like a, a home that you have when you put it on the market, it's now a house. 
and it's not yours anymore. So when a book goes out there, the book's for everybody else. And so what do they need to hear from you so your message gets out there? That's how it's been kind of conveyed to me. And that helped me that helped me take away the 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 territorial nature or the you know the ego part of it saying it's got to be this way. Are you and they go, are you really are you really married to this piece or not? And I go, hmm. it's for, that the titles the message is yours, but the titles for the audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They need to find it, and they need to be able to understand what they're getting into when they buy it based on the title, right? And you've got thirty seconds as somebody yeah. reads it, right? Yeah. So what's it about? What's it going to be? Yeah, it's about confidence and. And there's a reason for that. That's something I'm really passionate about. And first of all, just to clarify, what do I mean by confidence? Because a lot of times people say, oh, I'd like to be more confident, but I don't want to be overconfident. I don't want to get too confident. God forbid. There's a there's a fear of overcorrection when it comes to confidence. And I I want to clarify that the confidence I'm talking about is not the same as ego or arrogance. Got it. Having more and more confidence doesn't mean you think you're better and better and better compared to other people. That's not at all what we mean. What we mean by confidence or what I mean by confidence is like a quiet confidence, the lack of the need to prove yourself an acceptance of yourself as is, here's what I got. I'm going to own it. <laughs> I'm going to work it <laughs> and I'm going to be okay with it and open to feedback because always great to to grow and learn and and why not but it's not about arrogance or or thinking of yourself as better than anyone else yeah you're not perfect i really i really love that and that resonates with what we talked about before we got on about often being authentic as a leader yes yeah exactly and it all ties in right so so the, that's what the book is about and it's like okay great and how do we get there so it can be a daunting kind of goal for oneself right and I make it practical, right? It's really a practical handbook. Like, look, these are these four areas and I call them channels because I believe it's not only ways that we can work on our confidence, but it's also the way that we project whether or not we're confident, right? So the four channels are attitude, body, breath, and voice. Ooh, breath is a new one for me. So I got to say that. Think about it. When you see somebody on a stage that you find nervous, chances are you notice they're a little bit short of breath. Yep. And their voice isn't as strong either. And their voice. Yeah. Or maybe overly loud. (laughs) That happens too. Or overly quiet or they, you know, go to, there's a lot of things we're, we're constantly picking up signals about somebody's level of confidence. So we're projecting this, whether high or low level of confidence through these channels. You know, some people just have that attitude of confidence. They walk in the room and before they even say anything, you sense that they're confident. Yeah, I've also, I've also, I mean, because I was involved in sales for a long time and I probably still am from that standpoint, but you could tell when somebody walked in the room and whether it was just bravado or, you know, that the, the defensiveness of it or those who are really confident about it. And I, I really, I really enjoyed that time in my life to go different places, different people, different situations, and basically all through the U S and Europe as well and Canada and cool. got to see a lot of people is really cool. And you got to figure out who, who are the people, what are they like? What do they do? You know? And yeah. often I was the guy going in there. So who was I going to be? And actually, when I think about it, that was probably some of the time my life, my life I was most comfortable too. So it was really interesting when I think nice. about that. 
Yeah, and it's great that you bring up the bravado thing because it, it ties into what I said before. Like, this is not about building bravado. And and you can tell, right? You can smell that. You're like, that isn't really confidence. That's bravado. And that's hiding something behind an actual insecurity, usually, right? Yes. So we, we show, hey, I'm super confident to hide the fact that we're not, right? So that's some people's way of doing that. But the attitude channel that I'm talking about is, again, I'll say the word quiet confidence. Like there's that person that, does not feel the need to be the first one to talk or to, you know, go and say hi to everybody or grab the spotlight. However, they're also not afraid if they do get pushed into the center of the conversation and they're totally fine with that too. Yeah. So that's you know, it's, it's in, yeah. And I'm going to, I was going to comment and I, cause I agree with you when I, I remember being my days at DuPont and rising up in that. And there were times I didn't care to be the guy out front all the time and be the first ones to speak up, but that was expected. If you were going to grow, come up the corporate ladder, that was expected. You stepped in, you were that part. And I go, I don't really need to do that. And so it didn't, it, I didn't last. I mean, I lasted almost 10 years, but I mean, you know, it, it's, it was probably a couple of years longer than I should have maybe because I just, I just didn't see that I wanted to continue. And maybe it is, we come back to acting, playing the role that I just didn't want to play. And I didn't see me. I knew, I knew what I was doing. I felt my problem is I felt I knew better than all my bosses, which is probably true. But anyway, that was in my mind. And that doesn't go very well. It's what's called serious career impediment, SCI. So I committed lots of SCIs till I figured out it was time I should get out of there and do something on my own. But, you know, but it's, it's interesting. And I, I, but I don't, the, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, it's, it's you can't do that the same way. You're very much exposed. But you also brought up about courage and confidence. And maybe can you relate those two pieces together? I think that's really one that people people don't see courage. They can see confidence, yes. but they can't see courage. That's a very good point. Yeah, that's true. It takes courage to have confidence, right? <laughs> and it and it is a choice, right? So, you know. Dan Sullivan has this great story and he recently posted it on LinkedIn about the grenade. I read that one and I, I've, I've known Dan for more than 30 years and I've never heard that story before. I'm, I'm really pleased he brought that one up. Yeah, that's really beautiful cool. example of what the difference between fear and courage was. And, and I, I hope I get it right, but it's something around the fact that and he brings in trust too. I won't bring in that part now, but let me see. So fear is wetting your pants and courage is throwing the grenade with wet pants. Right. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. I hope I yeah. hope I didn't well, mess it up. Well, it's 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 like it's not worrying about it, knowing what to do. You know what you're going to, and what his point was that you're really coming to is that it's okay to have fear. And and yep. the first part of that story was because the, the sergeant goes to all these new recruits and says we're going to throw this grenade. And if you do it right, it's going to be wonderful if not your hamburger. And right. so and so oop there's That's there's there's it's it's it's, it's a life and death kind of thing it is a it's a yes or no it's a binary yeah. decision there's no kind Good of reason around. to have fear <laughs> yeah and, and he said and he so he said who's afraid of it and dan was the only one that put up his hands he says now i trust you that was the trust piece. yeah you know and i know you didn't want to go specifically there but he said the point was is that and that for this one it's okay and it's it's good to be willing to admit that you have fear because you can't go too, forward it's, that's courage too yeah. And you know what? That's the kind of thing I couldn't do in the corporation. Great. Thank you. I wanted to go back to that because you mentioned quickly about the bosses and, and what was expected. And I think there's a lot of really good stuff that we can look at there because there are these kind of unwritten rules in organizations that take a lot of courage to buck, you know, to, to go around. 
that being said, there's always those one or two men or women who seem to have success, even though they don't do what you feel like you have to do. Have you ever, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And I, I found, it's interesting. I found some of the people that I respected the most weren't the ones that were most respected in the organization, but they were who they were. And they, of course, yeah. only rose to a certain level and they didn't go beyond because then there's politics and there's other things that need to be played and they weren't willing to play it. And I and I really appreciate it. I think a couple of names, specifically one of them was one of my early bosses. And I really appreciated those those people. And the ones I didn't were those who were playing the game for what I call upward serving as opposed to serving the people yeah. that are, are important. But anyway. Yeah. And, and I can imagine that when you realize what was happening and the games that you had games or rolled or whatever that you that you saw that you were supposed to play and you weren't willing to, that not only was there kind of anger or frustration, I'm sure, but there might have also been some insecurity, like, hang on a second, I'm not going to be able to succeed like this. Well, yeah, it, it was. And 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 the defining moment for me was I was sitting in a customer's office and I had some background about them from my father. And I'm with the I'm with the VP and I'm not a big man. I'm quite, you know, small in stature. The boss was probably double my size. And he was he was really a self-made man. He came out, didn't have university, and of course he got to be a VP and everything. And so he just was just one of these strong. And we're sitting there in this office one day, and it was the summertime. And, you know, John was his name. And he looked at me and customer said something. He said, Gary, isn't this right? And I'd look at him and I said, no, John, it's not right. In front of the, in front of the customers, in front of them, in front of him. You, it was summertime. You said it's 35 degrees where you were, you know, Celsius. You could have cut the air with a knife. It was so frozen. And I go, because I knew something that if we accepted what they want to do, they would have done significant damage to DuPont. But most people who don't care, and they agree with their bosses because it's not their money. It's nothing. And I couldn't do it. And I realized I don't match. And so yeah. I, I think he, I didn't think about it then because I was just being sort of the young guy that I was. It took a lot of courage to do that. And, yeah. and but I also realized that that was kind of coming to the end because I can't play the games and play the role that's necessary. I felt I needed to be protector and I couldn't, it, it, it was not appreciated. That's all I can say. It's not appreciated. And it, it does take courage to be happy in life. Like it takes courage to make the choices that are needed to be happy. Right. And, and in that moment, you were taking the risk of losing that job, but it wasn't a job that was making you happy. So no. actually that was the right move, even though it might be risky. Right. It's like, and that's a whole other topic that I'm passionate about is happiness. And I think last time we might've talked about my article about eudaimonia, but I, I can't remember, but it's like this balance of, you know, living your values, doing what you want to do, following up, but also taking responsibility, saying, look, I'm going to speak up and say what I really think, and I'm going to take the consequences happily, you know, not happily, but it, without going into victim mode. I'm going to say, look, I see why I lost my job. That was me. I decided to speak up. I decided to do it that way. And that's, I'm going to live with that because that's part of me being more fulfilled and being able to look in the mirror and say, yep, this is the life I want to live. And you can probably tell I have no regrets about doing that. Right. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's been such a powerful thing for me looking back over my life and I, thinking about the biggest risks that I've taken. The scariest moments, the scariest decisions have always turned out well. 100%. Well, you know, I, I, I love this and 
and we could we could talk for a long long time and i sincerely hope we have the opportunity to and we will i mean i'll make that opportunity available again but if we if we can get together again but you know the the one the, the other thing that's really important because you know you, t- you touched on things this this podcast is clarity generates confidence for a reason and you touched on both of those pieces so i'm really pleased that you're taking this up and the other thing that you hadn't quite said that isn't seen is the willingness to make commitments and the willingness to make that commitment, which is when then knowing you've got to go through the courage to get there and ha- then have the confidence, that's a huge, huge part. And, you know, I certainly appreciate, appreciate about you. You talk about, that's why I wanted your, the story of your life in, in short form to come out because there were decisions you made along the way and commitments you made to be able to be what you're able to do. And Margaret, there's no question you have an incredible, you want incredible confidence and, you know, you're so inspiring from because you just come at this from that perspective and you don't have to be the story. You're just part of enabling everybody else's story. And I really do appreciate that for you. So. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And by the way, for those listeners out there, that doesn't mean I don't have (laughs) (laughs) self-doubt. Thank you. You know, I doubt myself all the time. It's, it's, it's a question of recognizing it. And say, oh, okay, there goes the self-doubt saboteur voice, my inner critic. And that's what we talk about in the book. Like one of the main parts about that attitude channel is like, oh, noticing I'm doubting myself and saying, yeah, you know what? I'm going to set that thought aside and do this thing anyway with the wet pants. Yeah. Well, you called, I think you call it self-sabotaging behavior or something like that. Self-sabotaging behavior. And, And by the way, just doing it anyway doesn't mean you're not open for feedback because sometimes doing whatever you were going to do doesn't turn out well and you do need to clean up your mess or you know change course change your pants yeah okay <laughs> change your pants. right sorry so I, I... there's where the confidence comes in again because you're open to the feedback and you're willing to change course or pants yeah margo so what what's next for you what's where you got the book coming out what do you what do you expect when do you think that might be out? And what do you, I know you got, you always keep pushing these things back, but when you, when, you, yes. when, when might we see it? When might we see that? For sure this fall. So, so the, what's next for me is like, the reason why I felt the the urge to, to write a second edition was actually in another podcast that I was recording. It was just recognizing like this stuff is still really relevant, really important. And this is a moment in in our my business, so in Coaching Without Borders, where, you know, talking with my team, we realized we want to make a, a concerted effort to bring in courage and confidence to every single thing that we do, all the services we provide. We want it to be kind of our part of our model of the way we work, rather than just like this one little topic of confidence that we can provide, because we do leadership development trainings, communication trainings, intercultural trainings. We do team building session, team workshops, helping teams get through conflict, helping them deal with change. And we do one-on-one coaching. And actually every single one of those things requires courage and confidence to do well. So part of making it more explicit, I thought a refresh to the book is a good one. Wow. That's great. I really appreciate the the focus and so will everybody else that works with you. So Margot, thank you very much for accommodating us for the second one. I must admit, I did look forward to it. So it's been wonderful. Any, any, any last thing you'd like to say that you haven't set up to this point that to leave, to leave the audience with? Hmm. 
Well, just that it's been a pleasure. I mean, really, you know, we talk about unique ability in in coach where something you could do all day without a problem and, and talking with you, doing podcasts is something where I really feel like this is so much fun. So I, I want to thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. And, and I'm just wishing the audience lots of success and confidence, deciding to be confident. It is a choice. You can decide to be confident and it's scary, but you can do it. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you. I know we're 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 approaching our hundredth episode for Clarity Generates Confidence. As we look into the next century, we'll be putting some more focus, and I'll be sure to have you back in as we get into our next hundred hundred podcasts. So, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank to you. all the all the audience out there, thank you for listening and and being with us. And please stay safe and stay healthy. Until next time.